Stella made a beat, so it's go time. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast, a podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside 3ND Live, GBB Live, and the Starting 5 Podcast. You can find all those on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybeerblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than negative Nate Chester. Nate, what up? Well, it's kind of hard not to be negative after what happened last night, man. I mean, I know I have a brand to protect here, but I think everybody came out of last night's game or two nights ago's game feeling kind of down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly – it could have been Joe's worst nightmare on the GBB Twitter account if the Grizzlies lost that game starting out 0-3 while also losing John Morant to an injury. With you running the account, I think Joe dodged a lot of bullets there. I honestly, all things considered, I really didn't care that much about the final results of the game. I mean, of course, I was hoping they would still end up winning, but um, Ja's injury was really the only thing that I cared about. Really, the nightmare scenario would have been Ja staying healthy and him still losing to the Nets without Kyrie and Kevin Durant. That would have been a dark day on the GBB Twitter. And let's all be thankful that even though it was a very difficult night and something very unfortunate happened, and nobody got to see me melt down, and that's always a good thing. Exactly, yes. We really love it when we don't have meltdowns, especially on the Grizzly Bear Blues Twitter account. The only meltdowns that are allowed on there are Joe Molinax typing in all caps about Jay Crowder and having a bunch of hopeless fans in his mention saying that Jay Crowder was the veteran that the Grizzlies needed and they should have never made the trade. That's the only uh, the record is what it is since they traded him, man. <laughs> yeah. But first things first, we're going to dive into the uh, John Moran injury. I mean, as we're recording this podcast at noon on Tuesday, we don't have a final verdict on uh, John Morant's MRI results and how long he's going to be out. Given the severity of how much in pain he looked, as well as uh, the fact that there's no fracture. I'm guessing it's probably going to be like a high ankle sprain or something. He'll be probably out for like four to six weeks. Just because like for a normal roll or even a low ankle sprain, you don't really see that kind of reaction. That's nothing on John Morant. Like that like ankle rolls, roll it the wrong way. And you're going to be screaming, and it's going to be super painful. You're going to feel like you broke your ankle. I know for me, I wasn't watching the game. I was actually watching the Bills Monday Night Football game uh, with my girlfriend's family. And I just, my phone blew up about John Morant's ankle, and I was like, shit, it's probably broken. <laughs> so, I got you pull it there, I, I but. The word is perfectly acceptable in this situation and circumstance. That's exactly 
what was going through my head. That doctor on Twitter who I sent you yesterday, I accidentally deleted our entire text conversation. I'm sorry about that. I can't find the tweet. He thought it was a lower ankle sprain, but regardless, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to try to diagnose what happened. Um, but considering what we know about the caution the Grizzlies front office and training staff has displayed over the last year, like you said, I think you can expect at least four to six weeks at minimum. And a day has passed. I didn't feel comfortable speculating on this the way that some people were last night. But since a day has passed, I feel like I can talk about it now. This really could be a blessing in disguise for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, John Moran is going to be just fine. Like, he's tough. He's going to be perfectly fine. He's not going to have any long-term lingering effects from this that I can tell, at least uh, according to what this injury normally provides for a player. But the Grizzlies are not going to do well over the next four to six weeks. They only won one game without John Morant. I think they went one and five without John Morant in the lineup last year, and that was against the hapless Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, They are not going to do well, even if the Hewing effect – are you familiar with the Patrick Hewing effect? Yes, Bill Simmons religiously talks about it. You've talked about it before. Yeah, so the Hewing effect could very well take hold here. The Grizzlies may play a little bit above their means without their two best players for a couple of games, but um, it's not going to go well in the long term. But this provides a path for them to take a couple steps back, to take an even bigger step forward into the future where the Grizzlies will have a better chance at a top pick in the 2021 NBA draft lottery without – hurting the development or without taking a true step back or going into a full-on tank. Yeah. I, I, for one, I, I mean, I've seen it on the timeline, especially a lot with the, the, the Owen two start. I don't want to see the T word anywhere on the timeline because John Morant would never allow that. Sure. And quite frankly, the Grizzlies organization would never allow a tank either. Just when it comes to building a culture and all that, you don't want to, and Jet losing into it. I mean, I, I think you're you're kind of screwed either way without John Morant. Sure. I think you would add – this would have been the time where you would have liked to have seen Justice back because he's at best with the ball in his hands. They could have just rolled him out at point guard, kept Tyus Jones off the bench, and then you're having this very weird, funky lineup of Winslow and Brooks. Well, it would probably be Winslow, Grayson, Brooks – Kyle Anderson and Jonas Valanciunas and that lineup is to the dismay of many disgruntled anti-Grayson people on Twitter. But it, it could be a blessing in disguise. I know last year after John Morant returned from injury, that's when Tyus Jones really turned it on and found his groove because he last season he struggled immensely to start the season. John Morant went down and Tyus Jones got some more reps as that starting point guard. And then once – jog came back he found his groove and that could very well happen again this year and I mean who knows maybe it opens up more time for Kyle Anderson to be on the ball a little bit or to Dylan Brooks to venture into his newfound passion of playmaking (laughs) or or maybe it just opens up some more time for Desmond Bain it's like okay well but John Morant we just lost about between 20 and 25 points a night, you got to make up for that every other way. And Desmond Bain is arguably the best pure shooter on the team already. 
So maybe that opens up more time for him. I do agree. It could be a blessing in disguise, whether it's in the form of a high-ish draft pick in the 2021 draft, which is loaded with wing talent. Wing talent that we would desperately love to see in Memphis. Or could it just open up opportunities for more guys to play outside of their comfort zone or find their grooves? Who knows? It's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And we talked about before how the season started. This will really be the last year that is free of the burden of expectations for the Grizzlies. And that people should enjoy that because they'll never get to experience that again for a while. And that's even more true now without Ja and Jaron. But on the topic of Jaron specifically, I am really excited to see him come back because he will almost certainly be back before John Morant will be from what we know at this moment. And I really want to see him just take hold of the offense and really embrace the role of being the number one option for the moment he steps back into the lineup. And that could pay dividends down the road that once Ja does come back, Jaron will have already grown more comfortable being a primary scoring option on this team. And that'll pay dividends going into not just the rest of this year, but into years down the line as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, who knows? Maybe we can uh, we could see a little bit of point Jaron. I mean, he does have remarkable handles for a seven-footer. Maybe it opens up more opportunities for him to be a playmaker as well and to initiate the offense. But also it's going to allow Coach Jenkins to kind of get creative with his lineups and any opportunity for a young coach to kind of expand the horizons of his roster and just allow the Grizzlies to just allow different guys to grow with different situations. It could help Coach Jenkins grow as a coach because, I mean, as we've seen time and time again in the NBA playoffs, not even just with injuries but with game plans in general – Adjustments are key. Adjustments win or lose a series. We've seen that with Mike Budenholzer for the better part of the the past decade. And I I think this could very much allow Coach Jenkins to adjust on the fly and try to come up with different innovative ways for his team to win, arguably without their two best players. And if you really want to count Justice Winslow, another dynamic ball handler on the wing, but it's tough to count it because we haven't seen him. Yeah, and I think – Jenkins has the leeway to be more experimental than he ever has before. And really, this is a pressure-free environment for him. There's no pressure on Taylor Jenkins to really win anything significant in the way of games over the next month of basketball. He has the leeway and the freedom to go out and be as experimental as he wants to be. And in doing that, he's going to learn more about this roster, the different players on this roster than he ever would have with a normal, healthy roster. He doesn't have DeAnthony Melton. He doesn't have John Morant. He doesn't have Jaron Jackson. And even at the moment, he doesn't have Justice Winslow either. So let's see what Grayson Allen can do in the starting lineup with an increased role. He has not looked good so far this year. Um, he's not as bad as he showed against Brooklyn. He just isn't. He's a better shooter. The man airballed a wide-open three from the corner. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he's just out of rhythm. He can show more than what he has been showing, but maybe Desmond Bain gets into the starting lineup some. Um, Maybe Xavier Tillman will start to get consistent rotation minutes once he is healthy and ready to play. Killian Tilly, if he is ever healthy, may be able to find a role in the Grizzlies rotation. Taylor Jenkins is going to have that flexibility to be experimental, and there's fun in that. There's fun in that for us as fans and for those who analyze the games to be able to watch these guys come into their own and what amounts to a pressure-free environment and we can get to see just what these players 
are and may be in the future while Jenkins gets to experiment. Who knows, maybe we'll be treated to the thrill and the immaculate vibes of John Conchar running the point. I, I saw a good tweet the other day, and here's kind of where I'm at on John Conchar. He said, um, whoever it was said, everybody always likes the backup quarterback, but there comes a point where you don't really want the backup quarterback to play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's kind of where I'm at with John Conchar. He cashed in a nice little mid-range jumper off two dribbles from the left hash mark um, a couple nights ago. I really enjoyed that. I really liked that. But um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not very high on him at the moment. <laughs> gotcha. Well, we're gonna move on. Even though, even though John Morant's hurt, I know this is something both Nate and I wanted to talk about, and that is why the Grizzlies will be okay. I, I'm sure Nate brought that idea to me because, you know, contrary to the brand, he thinks the Grizzlies are gonna be all right. And Nate, what's that main reason why you think they'll be okay? You're going to be okay in the future just because you still have Ja freaking Morant on your team. And Ja is not going to be stopped by a high or low ankle sprain that'll keep him out of action for four weeks to six weeks. The guy is going to be a bona fide superstar in the NBA. And teams that have superstars are generally going to be okay. The Memphis Grizzlies will be okay as long as they have someone of his caliber on the roster. Jaron Jackson will be back. Justice Winslow will be in the lineup. DeAnthony Melton, who I assume has COVID, I guess. It's so, kind of unclear. So I've kind of just like <laughs> trying to piece two and two together because, for one, I think if he had COVID, it would have already come out. That, that's that he had it. Fault, like Shams or Woj or someone would have said something about it. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a protocol thing because Christmas did was just celebrated and he could have easily just been around too many people or he might have been trapped to an exposure. I do think if it was an actual case or a potential exposure, I think it would have been a bigger deal. I think it was probably something within protocol that forced him to go into quarantine just because maybe he was around a next amount of people when he should really be around and next amount of people. I'm not too sure. Yeah, but anyway, like you're going to have him back here in the very near future as well. You still have the same core, and the Grizzlies front office made this a priority in retaining most of these guys. You still have the same core that's ahead of schedule, that overachieved last year. The Grizzlies don't need to make the playoffs this year. That'll be a concern and a priority in the 2021-2022 season. Like I said, it's the last season that's free of the burden of expectations. So – it's not fun to see John Morant be out. It's not fun to see Jaron Jackson be out. And don't make any mistake about it. They're going to lose a lot of games over the next month. I'd be very surprised that's not the case. But it's going to be okay. They're going to be fine. They're still on the proper developmental track. And if you get caught up in all the losing and, and some of the poor play you're going to see in a month, I got news for you. The Grizzlies have been a thoroughly bad basketball team for the last year and a half outside of a month and a half span from the end of December going into February of 2020. They have the most part been a young, growing basketball team that experienced one supernova stretch that was able to place them into the playoff race. They're still going to be good in the future they're not quite there yet and we get to have this opportunity to see what some of these younger pieces on the Grizzlies roster are and will be for the next great Grizzlies basketball team for sure yeah and mine has to do 
was more of a short term. And I do think we're about to see an extended run for Desmond Bain. I know our faithful leader, Joe Mullinax, has ignited the train, the start Desmond Bain, you cowards train. Granted, I will never resort to that train, not because of Desmond Bain's ability. I just don't want to call Coach Jenkins a coward for not starting <laughs> for uh, for not starting a rookie that didn't have summer league or a normal training camp and hasn't played a organized basketball game in nine months, yet alone an NBA basketball game. I mean, granted, we're seeing the one and number the number one and number three pick come off the bench. We're seeing Anthony Edwards sitting on the bench in favor of Josh Okoji and Jake Lehman. So I don't think it has anything to do with Desmond Bain being a worse basketball player than uh, Grayson Allen. I think it's just more about easing him in. But I do want to kind of bring up a little cautionary tale that is kind of similar, and it's ironic because they're both on the team right now. So in the 2017-18 season – we all remember how Dylan Brooks kind of popped a little bit. Granted, that was a lot of it because of the Mike Conley injury and they needed something and they kind of embraced the tank. And being honest, it was a transcendent top of the draft when you consider that Luka Doncic, yeah. DeAndre Ayton, Trey Young, all, Trey, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. But lost in that miss, Dylan Brooks crashed the starting lineup before Mike Conley ever sat out um, throughout his first eight games, not starting. I mean, it's not a lot. I mean, he averaged nine points, four rebounds and assists and a steal. Pretty decent marks for a second round pick. who was the 45th pick. He had three double digit games and for the most part was a positive. I think his overall plus minus was around an eight. And around, And at that same time, the Grizzlies were – starting Andrew Harrison over Dylan Brooks. And finally, after just a couple games, uh, Coach Fizdale said, enough, this man has to start. And Dylan Brooks got into the starting lineup that uh, next game against the Clippers uh, after eight games off the bench. And it opened up a uh, chance for him to start, and he hasn't really lost that spot until J.B. Bickerstaff decided to start Garrett Temple over him. Inexplicably, I know we were both very furious about that. I do think we'll see a situation arise soon where Coach Jenkins is just forced to play Desmond Bain big minutes and, quite frankly, give some of Grayson's minutes over to Desmond Bain. Because I said it at the beginning of the show, he's the best pure shooter on the team. I do think he does need some work. He's not the perfect prospect. I mean, but neither is Grayson. I mean, I watched – Bain get taken to the rack by Solomon Hill. I mean, <laughs> if it were anyone else other than Bain, we would be calling for their heads because oh, absolutely. If, if that happened to Grayson, all you would see the pitchforks out on Twitter. And, and let's be clear about one thing: the Desmond Bain train that Joe Mullinax has started doesn't even get going on the tracks if Grayson Allen didn't come out and pour the fuel into the train in order for it to start. Grayson has really, really struggled. But I think, like you said, Bain is going to get more and more minutes the more experience he gets. You can tell outside of shooting, which he's been great at, he's shooting over 40% from three in the minutes he's played so far this year. But you can tell he's not always comfortable 
when he's out on the court, especially when the ball's in his hands. He doesn't quite know when to attack. And I also think he just kind of lacks confidence in his ball handling. I don't think he's a bad ball handler by any stretch of the imagination, but he's just not very confident in his ability to read the defense and then attack once he does. But he's a serviceable defender, a high IQ team defender, and he's one of the uh, one of the very best pure shooters on the team. That is going to earn him more and more minutes, the more and more time that passes. But Grayson Allen is not going to stay this bad. Right. Should he be the starting shooting guard on the Grizzlies? No, probably not. Under these circumstances, maybe. Maybe that's the role he could best fill, even if Desmond Bain starts to play more minutes coming off the bench. But Grayson Allen is not going to score two points every single night and not make a single three. He showed in the bubble, even if that's not going to be who he is on a consistent basis, he's much better than what he has shown this far. And I'm not just saying that because I still feel bad about the article I wrote about him a couple of years ago. It really isn't. But he is better than what he's shown so far. Yeah, easily. And I think once people start to relax a little bit, and he's going to have a nice game here in the coming week or whatever else. And ultimately, there's really no need to make that lineup change at this moment. If he's terrible for weeks on end and Desmond Bain continues to flourish, continues to play well, maybe we can revisit that conversation then. But at this point, I just don't see the need to make that immediate of an adjustment. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, I mean, if you take Bain off the bench right now, I'm scared for how they try to come up with points aside from the Tyus Jones, Brandon Clark pick and roll, but also it's so efficient because of the floor spacing that uh, guys like Bain, guys like Grayson could provide. And who knows, we might come into a situation where like next week where Desmond Bain is starting at the two guard over Grayson Allen. I mean, I do think, and I said this in preseason too, I always thought the starting two guards should have been uh, D'Anthony Melton just because uh, he takes that tougher uh, uh, matchup in the backcourt between John Morant and D'Anthony Melton. It's like in situations where it's like a, a Dame and CJ or something like that. But uh, And then also, too, as a starter last season, he was like 38% from three. And he's just another secondary playmaker to play next to Ja. And also the financial investment you put in him, I was just like, it just makes sense to me. Yeah. But – I mean, you could very well see a situation where Bain enters the starting lineup, but, you know, I do want to just ease his comfort in a little bit because, like you said, he doesn't look exactly comfortable as a ball handler yet as opposed to Grayson. I mean, right now Grayson is averaging about 2.7 assists. Granted, it's a little inflated from a five-assist outing at San Antonio, but Desmond Bain, who is one of the better Playmakers in the draft hasn't uh, notched the assist yet. Is is that a byproduct of who he's playing with, or is that just his uh, comfort level with the ball in his hands right now? But who's going to pass to Tyus Jones off the bench? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be. I think he'll be fine. He will start eventually. He's too good of a shooter and too good of a clear-cut fit next to John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. to not start. Ideally, in a healthy lineup, you can very well look at a situation where it's Ja, Bain, Brooks, Jackson, and Valanciunas. Or, who knows, Kyle Anderson may just go ahead and take that 
uh, <laughs> uh, starting three spot from everyone. But well, I think he'll be that, fine. Yeah, considering the fact that he's turned into literally the best wing the Grizzlies have ever had in franchise history over the last two games, it would not surprise it, it, me at this point. It's been wild. Some of the uh, – go look at <laughs> Anthony Sain's Twitter this morning. I think he uh, called yeah, – I somebody, saw it. Somebody called him Sloth Curry, and then you had Delay Thompson. I called him Slow Harris. Um, there, there was so many of these other ones. It was so funny. I thought I thought of one, and I didn't tweet it, but Methodical Porter Jr. was one that came to mind for methodical me. Methodical Porter Jr. <laughs> like that was pretty good. I got to give you credit there. Yeah, maybe Michael Porter Jr. is not quite at the level where the comparison really hits at this point. But, yeah, that was one that came to mind for me. But Kyle's been great. Um, Obviously, his shooting is for real. Will he hit four threes every single night like he did against Brooklyn? No. But he's becoming someone the defenses actually have to respond to and respect from out there. And, really, he's been able to take advantage of the fact that teams haven't done that so far. So, once teams actually start to come out and defend him at the three-point line, you'll probably start to see his volume and mates come down a little bit from the impressive level he's been at to start the season. But when they do that, he's going to use those long, slow, gangly, sloth-like strides to be able to get into the paint at even greater degrees than he already has to this point. And it's only going to improve his abilities as a playmaker when he does that. Absolutely. And so to wrap up the show, and as we're recording this show, we're a day ahead. And as it goes live... We're going to be prepping for a matchup with the Boston Celtics. And just, I wanted to give a small preview because, you know, you have a team that doesn't have John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. having to go up against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, arguably the best young duo in basketball. No offense to Grizzly fans or Pelicans fans or Mavericks fans or whatever. But right now, based off what they've done in the playoffs and at their youth, they are the best young duo until proven otherwise. That's going to be tough. And then just without those two guys, it's very tough for me to make a prediction on this game. So our small preview for the game will be, Nate, what do you want to happen to Grant Williams in this game? Honestly, if Brandon Clark just dunks on Grant Williams, I will not care about the rest of the game. I will just roll along with it, and I will move on with my life and enjoy the rest of my night, no matter what the end result may be. The Boston Celtics may win by 30, and honestly, I think that's a very fair expectation. So you know how when I was running GBB Twitter the night of the Nets game, I said, "Um, you can take it to the bank. I'm speaking it into existence. The Grizzlies will win tonight. Remember me saying that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm taking it to the bank. They will absolutely lose to the Boston Celtics. <laughs> I would be absolutely shocked if they found a way to pull that out without John Jaron on the road in Boston. But um, seeing Brandon Clark would bring my miserable little heart some joy to see him dunk over Grant Williams, sure. What if it was Grayson? <laughs> the per the whole event that made you write that article about him being an indecent person, he finally gets his payback on Grant Williams and just jams it all in his face. I think honestly, my re- my reaction to that would be, I would watch it. I'd have a, a grin would slowly spread across my face. Like I'd Grinch walk game. out to the center of my front yard. I'd raise my arms, then I'd ascend into heaven. That's how that night would go. It'd be the last we see of you. (laughs) It would have fitting in. And so uh, one last little preview topic is just a reminder that the, uh, the amazing, wonderful 
GM, they say, that is Danny Ainge, passed on Brandon Clark twice and passed on Desmond Bain twice and traded Desmond Bain's draft rights. And he could have had two projected elite role players next to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Meanwhile, they're relying on the likes of Aaron Naismith and his broken foot, Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, and Simi Ojale. And, and let's never forget how Tyreek Evans could have been the missing piece to get them over the hump against the Cavs during the 2018 season to get them to the NBA Finals. But Danny Ainge did not want to trade the 27th pick that became admittedly a solid player in Robert Williams – for Tyreek Evans. I mean, hey, potato, potato. Uh, Tyreek Evans got suspended for the rest of the – for like two years for drugs. So, <laughs> maybe light years. That's why Danny Ainge is such a good GM. Is he can yeah. read the future. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, that, know, but, yeah. <laughs> that's about all we have today. Nate, let the people know where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at NathanChester24. You can find all my Grizzlies-related content at GrizzlyBearBlues.com. Yes, sir. You can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Like, subscribe, download to the GBB Podcast Network so you can listen to every single episode of GBB Live, 3&D, and the Starting 5 Podcast, as well as our Core 4 Podcast. Find that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow the Twitter at the core four podcast with the number four, not the word for also follow the blog at grizzlybearblues.com at SB and Grizzlies for all the best Grizzlies content on the web. And that's all folks.